Hello, Red Sea Catholic Radio listener. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas, and KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. Or you are watching on YouTube, and so we thank you for being here. I am Caleb Bronner, the Director of Radio and Media here at Red Sea Catholic Radio, stepping in for Maria Sotolongo. And I have today with me Father Art Flores of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Hey, Father Art, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's great to have you in the studio. Um, I am really excited to talk to you today about uh, a couple things, your call to the priesthood. I'm really interested in hearing about um, the saint who founded your order and hear all that stuff. So um, let's start with, what are you doing here at St. Mary's? Well, um, it's been great being here at St. Mary's. I, uh, uh, I was given the opportunity to come and take Father Charlie Banks's place. Father Charlie Banks was here for about 17 years. And, and, um, and he, he uh, assists the ministry of St. Mary's, the pastor, reaching out to the parishioners and to the students here at, at, on the campus. He would do that on Mondays. Well, he had gotten to the point where it was time to retire. Mm-hmm. And, and I had gotten to the point in my ministerial life t- where it was, uh, I needed a new assignment. And so he tapped on my shoulder and said, would you be interested maybe in doing this? And I, I had never in, in my 33 years of priesthood, I, I haven't done campus ministry um, so I said, why not? Why not? Um, and so, well, I, uh, um, he, he passed my name on to Father Will and, uh, as a possibility. And so Father Will sat down with me a couple of times and ch- chit-chatted and talked. And, and here I am. Um, it really is wonderful to be here. Uh, when, uh, when you come to the end of your assignment as a priest, you, you, you often wonder, well, where are you going to go next? Where's mm-hmm. the Lord going to take me next? And, and, um, I had asked that question many times and the Lord brought me here and, and so far so good. It's been really wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a little research on the Oblates of Mary Immaculate and it's interesting. And I, and I know you mentioned this to me, you mentioned this to me before, um, you know, a lot of what the Oblates do are, is going to poor countries and, we're, and you know, disaster relief and helping out with the poverty stricken. Um, and so I was curious, you know, what is it about campus ministry that fits into the overall mission of the Oblates? Sure. Um, the, every religious order... In the, in the church has what's called a charism. And a charism is, is what drives the religious order. And the charism comes, it's, it's a charismatic reality that comes from its founder. I guess we'll be talking about mm-hmm. him in a little while, right? Um, but uh, the, the, the charism of our order uh, is to, to reach out to those on the fringes of society, those who maybe are abandoned, by society, the church, um, uh, and a, a special, well, we believe a, a, a big expression of that is those who are, are, are economically challenged. 
And, and, but, um, our founder, St. Eugene, he also reached out to young people when he, when he founded, when he started the, the, our, our congregation, because he believed that they were, there, there was a, a poverty about them as well in the sense of, um, well, uh, uh, I, I've, I've, I've talked about this many times. You know, we do really well when we catechize our young kids, right? Mm-hmm. Our first communion and confirmation in, in our parish programs. And then they finish and then, okay, go on, go on. Uh, and and, and they, they, they go off to college. And, and a lot of times, you know, they, they just, we lose them. Mm-hmm. We lose them. So there's a spiritual poverty that, that exists there. And so this fits in with our charism as well. And we're trying to put uh, uh, more oblates into in, into that uh, in, into campus ministry uh, positions um, in in different colleges because we we do want to reach out to 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 the young people who many times might feel lonely, abandoned, and 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 spiritually poor as well. Yeah, especially nowadays when um, you know the rates of people feeling lonely and isolated are higher than ever before which is so strange since, um, you know, we have all these technologies that should connect us. There's a hilarious short story by Mark Twain about the telephone and he's hearing his wife talk on the telephone. So he's only hearing one side of the conversation. And so it's a, it's a story that I think really speaks to our time, like, uh, tenfold because these things that are supposed to connect us in turn, actually we are kind of isolated by them. Mm -hmm. And so I guess um, in uh, talking to young people, you've been here for what, about two months or so? Mm -hmm. Uh, And talking to young people uh, these last two months, what are you seeing? What are the ways in which um, they might have uh, unique struggles today that maybe people didn't have? Or or what are their kind of uh, biggest struggles that you're seeing talking to them and, 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 you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, doing spiritual direction. I think what a, uh, a couple of things, um, they really are, uh, looking for a sense of purpose. I really, I I've seen that. And, and, you know, that's been enlightening for me as well, because sometimes we dismiss our young people and, 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 you know, they're, uh, d- we dismiss them as, 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 you know, not irrelevant, but, but, you know, that there's, um, they, 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 uh, they're not mature enough or, or, or and, and so forth, but they are looking, they are mm-hmm. struggling and they are looking for a sense of purpose. And they've, they see that in the church. Uh, they, they do see the, the church offering them a sense of, of purpose and, and, and stability. So they're trying to understand themselves, um, uh, I, it's very, very many times, uh, especially when they're they're finishing their college career, they get the, a little bit of anxiety: is uh, what's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. Am I going to find a job? Um, there's, uh, I, I've noticed some pressures, uh, maybe from society and even family as well. You know, putting some a lot of uh, pressures on them as well. But just trying to understand who they are. And who God is, mm-hmm. they're they're trying to understand that, and they they want to talk about that. And you know, this is it. I I don't it. It's refreshing in the sense that it's it's good to see that they are taking themselves seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you come from, you have a little bit of a teaching background before you became a priest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as a teacher, you know, I would rather see a kid be frustrated, but engaged than completely indifferent. You know, there's something to be said for, you know, even if you're struggling in your faith, there's something to be said for engaging in that struggle. And, um, that I think that you really see, I think a lot here at St. Mary's, um, that is a good thing to see, a great thing to see. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about, um, your call to the priesthood and, you know, um, what made you decide to join the Oblates and, you know, what, what, what did that look like? Cause mm-hmm. you were a teacher before. I was, yeah. I, um, well, cradle Catholic, you mm-hmm. know, my, my parents, you know, we, we, we went to mass every Sunday. Um, foundation, the foundational aspects of my Catholic faith are, you know, come from the family and, and with a lot of encouragement from mom and dad, but they, they were always very engaged with us. There's three of us. I'm the youngest. And, but they were, you know, Oyes mijos, what do you all want to do when you grow <laughs> up? You know, what, you know, they were always asking us and, you know, I, and mom told me, and I remember uh, uh, responding uh, that way as well. Mom, I want to be uh, mom, dad, I want to be a, a priest, a dentist, a dentist. I don't know why a dentist, <laughs> uh, a priest, a dentist, or a teacher. Um, those, uh, there were a lot of teachers. I have uncles and aunts who were teachers. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, an aunt who is also a religious uh, sister. She's passed away. Um, so, so a lot of good influences in terms of, uh, of, of my, my Catholic upbringing. Um, and I also had an uncle who had entered into the cemetery, uh, sem- seminary <laughs> until he met my aunt. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and so, uh, very familiar, you know, with, with, uh, priests and religious and so forth. So in college, um, I mean, in, in high school, I, I went to St. Anthony's Catholic high school and that was run by the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Okay. And, um, the Oblates are not a teaching order per se. The, the, the high school was there as a, a basically to get vocations, you know, to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, encourage young men in their vo- in their vocational call and and so as a young kid you know I saw that um, uh, in um, in high school I saw the the uh, the priests and the, the the good work that they did they entered into the lives of all of their students they were so so kind and so generous and so, uh, such hard workers and um, it's so you know just with growing up and everything and 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 uh, what I saw in them, I said, this is what I want to do. Hmm. So I continued in uh, the, after St. Anthony's, there was a formation uh, a program that continued for the Oblates. Um, I was pretty set on religious life as well. Uh, diocese, I, ha, I, I knew about the diocese in reality as well, but um, community life was very, very important for hmm. me. And, and so um, I continued in my formation in college I did leave formation uh, and graduated from college. Um, I went to St. Edwards University in Austin, graduated, and that's where the teaching part came in. Okay. Um, can we can we rewind real quick? Sure. To something you were talking about before. Um, you were saying you were real familiar with you know priests and religious in your family. Um, so would you say that did I'm sure that had a big impact on your eventual decision to become a priest? 
kind of the familiarity of it. And so um, we're going to be talking about families a little bit more when we're talking about St. Eugene in a little while, but um, what can people do to maybe build kind of familial uh, or uh, relationships between their family and priests to try and um, maybe introduce the idea of priesthood or something to the, uh, and religious life to their children, to their, you know, how, how does, how, how to navigate that? Because I think there's a real nowadays kind of like, there's a little bit of a block there. Um, it seems like to me. And so how do you, how do you build that relationship where, and help, you know, if you don't have religious in your family, how do you help kind of like expose your children to that kind of life? And mm-hmm. I, you know, clearly there needs to simply be an openness to that uh, with with your kids. Um, the uh, the biggest stumbling block, uh, along with along with the the campus ministry that I do, I mm-hmm. also do vocation promotion. Mm-hmm. But the biggest stumbling bl- block that young men and women have uh, to the priesthood or to the religious life are parents. Hmm. They don't want their kids to enter into the religious life. Um, they think they're going to be lonely and, mm. uh, or, or, um, unhappy or, or they want grandchildren or, um, so how, how do you, I, I think you, you foster a relationship by being open to God's call in your life and to listening to God's call. And, and if your young one, you know, has a, has that, uh, calling, you know, to be open to that, God calls each of us, um, and his call is 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 true and pure, and and so with or without other religious in the family, you know, I I did have that um, that plus, you know, I was very mm-hmm. familiar with uh, priests and, and and nuns and so forth, but but I think it's it's very important for parents to to remember, you know, um, God has given them these children. And and to be open to what God has in store for them is very very important mm-hmm. and very good. Yeah. Okay, so you were at St. Edward's and you got the teaching bug. And I got the yes, I uh, I, I graduated uh, from St. Ed's with a degree in math, and so uh, I went and taught. I went and taught an all girls Catholic high school in San Antonio Providence Catholic High School, and um, so I was on my own. And the reason why I went on, I, I left the formation program is uh, because I thought, you, I, okay, let me take a step back. Let mm-hmm. me let me think about this a little bit more. Um, and and so and and so that's what I did. That's uh, so I, I taught, and um, I enjoyed teaching. I real I uh, even math. You know, it uh, <laughs> seems like students always complain about math, um, but but I, I did enjoy the interaction that I had with the young people. But God's God simply just didn't stop tap, tapping on my shoulder. It 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 was there. Can you describe what that is like? Like what? It, I know it's hard, and it's we've talked about this before. Um, it's it's easy to distill it into just a uh, turn of phrase or um, you know uh, one or two sentences that makes it sound like it was like this uh, epiphany uh, <laughs> moment. But um, maybe can you describe like an instance? Or, um, or what that kind of tapping on your shoulder, how that, how you detected that in your own life, because Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people that, um, have a hard time 
hearing those subtle messages from God mm-hmm. and their call. And so, you know, how did, how did you translate that tapping on your shoulder and, and what did that look like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when I look back on that and I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but, but I've always, uh, you know, God speaks to us through others. Mm-hmm. And I look back on that and I, I can see that, you know, my students would come up to me and, you know, get help with their, their homework and so forth. or what, uh, And then they just look at me and say, you should be a priest. They would just come out and say that. And, you know, somebody who, who might not want to be listening to God might not listen to that. You know, I look back on that and that, and that didn't, that just, it didn't happen one or two times. It happened many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and even other teachers, you know, is it, you, have you ever considered the ministry? And, you know, I, I just feel, okay. I, I look back on that and say, okay, the Lord's mm. was speaking to me and, and, and I acted upon it. There were many instances like that. Um, I maintain because of the strong foundation that I have growing up, you know, I, I did maintain contact with my faith and practice my faith. That that's a real big help. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a, a very big help as well. And so also, I, you know, I, I can say through prayer experiences, um, you know, I, I just said, okay, Lord, I know you're calling me. Give me a little bit more time. And, and, uh, and, and so then I did, you know, I, I, uh, I went back into uh, formation and. Um, and how and old were you? I was uh, 28. 28. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you taught for. I taught for three years. Three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it was great. You know, I, I look back on, 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 on all of that, on my time uh, away and it, it was formative, important, uh, substantial, good time. And it was productive. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel, I feel it was part of my formation process, even though I wasn't in a formal formation process. Right. Yeah. Tell no, me I mean, a little bit about the world, you know, uh, probably patience. Uh, pa- yeah. Patience. <laughs> I know for me, teaching was, I learned a lot of, about patience <laughs> teaching for yes, sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's really helped me. And, and also, you know, um, how to talk to young people and how to, um, uh, um, what's the right way to put it? It taught me how capable they can actually be if you let them mm-hmm. kind of what you were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, and yeah. so that's really helped me with my children, I think is, you, you can really learn a lot about patience and how capable young people can be and children can be um, through teaching um, that you might not have realized before or Absolutely. otherwise. Even in my time here, I've told the kids that in, in mass, you know, I said, you all don't know what you're doing for me Yeah. and, and the witness that you're giving to me by not simply by being here in, in, in mass, but also engaging in your faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah is, is doing... Uh, missionary outreach here, campus ministry, is that kind of scratching that itch of like talking to young people a little bit and stuff? Because I know I feel that, you know, after um, teaching for eight years and now all of a sudden I'm not. And I kind of miss kind of hanging out and talking and teaching and and, and just being around young people. And they're funny. They you know? are. <laughs> they are. They're they're funny. They're they're uh, uh, inquisitive and curious mm-hmm. and... and uh, and and serious, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they, we we need to take them seriously, right? And and many of them are hurting, and they need for mm-hmm. us to be there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So tell me about, um, about your formation going into seminary and, and, you know, taking vows Mm -hmm. and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I went back into formation and, um, the, the, the formation for a priest is, is, uh, uh, pretty standard, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. for a religious or, or a diocesan priest. For a religious, all religious orders go through what's called a novitiate year. Um, and you become a novice in the order. And it's a year that where you, you know, it's, it really is a, a privileged time because the, the religious order gives, it, it's a year of prayer. That's yeah. basically what it is. And everything's scheduled for you, but but um, you you engage in, in some some uh, and many conversations on the history of your, the order that you're joining and uh, prayer and and the vows you know that you're about to profess as well. So uh, diocesan priests don't have a novitiate year, <clears throat> but all religious orders uh, do. I really enjoyed my 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 novitiate year. I loved it back in 1987, 88, <laughs> and at the end of that year, then you do your, you profess your vows and you become a member of, of that order of, of, of the order. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> and then after that, you, we, we continue in theological studies and that's a five year process of, uh, four years of, of, uh, uh, graduate school in theology, one year internship, and then you're ordained. Um, and then, so what did you expect? You went through all that and what did you expect to do? Because there's, um, missionary oblates all over the world, right? All over the world. Yeah. And so did you expect to be here in Texas or? (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite stories. (laughs) The, yeah, I was young back then and, um, you know, we're a missionary order all over the world. I'm bilingual. So, you know, I said, Hey, send me down South, you know, uh, send me anywhere, you know, after my, my vows, you know, after, I mean, after my ordination, send me anywhere. And they said, okay, all right, all right, well, hold on. We're, we're going to uh, send you to Brownsville. So, so that uh, I did, you know, some time there. I said, okay. kind of another country. Uh, it, it, is, it is. I said, okay, I'm ready. Send me, uh, you know, I, I just kept saying that. I have uh, my entire ministerial priesthood has been in the state of Texas where I'm from. And half of that time has been in my hometown of San Antonio. <laughs> so uh, I joined a missionary order to see the world and I stayed in my hometown most of the time. But I bet your mom was happy about uh, that. Mom was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she was thrilled. Yeah. But uh, this is where the Lord needed me. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, the Lord needed me in Brownsville. After Brownsville, I went to Corpus Christi. After Corpus Christi, I came to San Antonio. After San Antonio, then I went up to Midland for a little while and then to Eagle Pass and then back to San Antonio. Um, and then Washington DC for a little while too. And now I'm here. Uh, so, so I did go out of the state for a little while. Um, but, but yes, you know, that, that, that young missionary, uh, energy that I had, had, uh, I guess, uh, of course I still do. If, if the community asked me to go wherever I'll go, you know, um, but, but I, I think it's, you know, God, God said, this is where I needed you. This is where I needed you. And, you know, God is a God of the unexpected. And, and I, I, I thought the other thing that I thought I'm going to be teaching, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have Obley School of Theology. Um, uh, we still had St. Anthony's when I was uh, the, the high school when, when I was first ordained. I thought 
And everybody in the community thought you're going to be teaching your entire oblate life. I've never taught one day <laughs> in my life. I've been in parish ministry, internal uh, uh, ministry with the oblates, and, and now campus ministry. Yeah, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift gears a little bit to, I don't want to run out of time and neglect talking about St. Eugene de Mazenod. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? St. Eu- Saint Eugene de Mazenod. Uh-huh. St. Eugene de Mazenod. Uh, he founded the order. Yes. Tell us about St. Eugene and why um, he should maybe, why he's a, while he's an un, kind of not super well-known saint. No, he's not very well-known. Yeah. Maybe we need to know more about him today. Yes, yes. I'd, I'd be happy to talk about St. Eugene. Uh, Eugene de Mazenov, he was part of the French aristocracy. His dad was an aristocrat and his mother also, uh, his mother was very, very wealthy, by the way. Um, he grew up in privilege. He, he grew up in privilege, but he also grew up around the time of, of the French Revolution. So, so we know what happened at that time. They, the, there was a, a rebellion against uh, the, the, the aristocracy. There was a rebellion against the church as well. And uh, so as a young kid, he had to leave his, his home of Aix. He was from Aix in Provence in the southern part of, of, uh, of France. Mm-hmm. So he and his father, because his, uh, um, his, his mother remained home, but he and his father, they, they left. They had to leave in order. Oh, his, his mother remained in France. His mother remained in France because not being a technically a member of the aristocracy, her life wasn't in danger, but theirs were. Oh. So they, they left in exile. They went to, uh, they went to Italy uh, and, and lived there for many years until everything boiled over and then came back. And in Italy, it was a kind of what we were talking about earlier, a priest that kind of took him under his wing a little bit, right? You've done a little homework. I have done a little homework. Yes. You are now an honorary <laughs> oblate. Um, a Jesuit. In fact, it mm. was a Jesuit priest that, that took him, uh, 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 that took Eugene under his uh, care and mm-hmm. and and uh, helped him because and, he wasn't doing formal school anymore. He wasn't. Yeah, he, they were in exile. They mm-hmm. they were in exile. They had none of their what their the the comforts that they they were used to. Um. So yes, this Jesuit priest did reach out to him, and 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 help him and his dad. They returned back to Aix in Provence, and and it was it was awful. You know the the. Uh, churches were, were, were burned and convents were burned and, and, and things were in shambles. Um, while he was uh, in Italy, though, that's where he kind of got the beginnings of his call as well, too, um, to, to be a priest. His mother didn't want him to do that. Remember I told you about the parents? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They, uh, he said, no, no, we, we have somebody ready for you to marry um, and, and, and he, he said, mom, I feel this calling, um, to, to reach out to God's people, um, in a special way, in a special way. Uh, and, and so she, 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 uh, she supported him. She supported him and, and he, he was ordained a, a diocesan priest. His, what, what drove him though, was the, the, what, what he saw, um, the the clergy were were scattered. Many of them were killed. Um, priests, religious nuns, uh, they 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 had no place. Uh, they 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 didn't know what they were, were what to do. Um, and the people too. Everything was in shambles. He wanted to reach out, but especially 
especially to to the poor. They were the ones that were really forgotten during the ravages of the French Revolution. Um, they 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 were completely forgotten, and so he he said we need to reconnect them with their faith and with mm-hmm. their with God. Um, and and so that was his special and uh, the the poor, um, the simple peasant farmer. You know that that was mm-hmm. the poor at the, uh, um, but also the youth, um, the youth and prisoners. Prisoners. He also w- was very very faithful to to reaching out to 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 prisoners as well. He wanted to connect them with their faith, uh, back to their faith. So he uh, one of the things that he did that was very very different was he reached out to uh, to the poor and spoke to them in their language in Provençal. Yeah. And, 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 uh, so they, they weren't doing that at that time. So, so, um, and he, the, Va- the Vatican website, I was reading a little bit about him. It says uh-huh. not only they're in their language, but also kind of like at their level. Right. Right. And so it was like meeting people where they are. Meeting people where they are. Yeah. They, he, 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 uh, he wanted to make sure he would always tell his oblates, make sure that they understand what you're saying. Yeah. Make sure that chew, uh, give them the bread of the Eucharist and chew it for them as well. That was, that was one of his, uh, sayings. Hmm. Um, uh, so that, uh, uh, and, and, and reach out and make sure that they know that God loves them. He always told his oblates that. So he got a group of, of five, uh, there was a, a group of five of them, diocesan priests. They lived in community, uh, and then they would go out, uh, uh, for about five, six months. They'd go out in mission preaching missions, reconnecting people with their faith, and then they would come back and live in community. They became very famous, uh, and, and so bishops started asking them to come to their dioceses, and, uh, uh, and then the Oblates grew from there. While he was living in community, his parents divorced. This something unheard of mm-hmm. in, at, in, in, at that time. And, and so this was a cause of big distress for him as well. Um, and, and so, um, it, it turned out, um, there was, um, with his, um, going out on exile, um, with his dad away from his mom and then their eventual divorce and so forth. Um, we've, we've call him the patron saint of, of dysfunctional families, of families who are dysfunction is, can be a, you know, hard word to hear, but families who are challenged and so forth. Yeah. His family certainly was challenged. What family isn't? Oh, for sure. Um, and, and so, you know, the church encourages us to reach out to this, you know, not too well-known saint yeah. to help you and your families as well. So. Well, one of the things I learned teaching at that um, school for boys that had committed sexual offenses is, um, you know, devastation among their families. If, their parents had at one time been married, which was pretty rare. Um, they were now divorced or separated and stuff like that. And, and even something like that, um, you know, your parents getting divorced when you're a child can cause like psychological trauma. And that's so common today that, you know, we have all these people out in the world with this childhood brain trauma. You know, it, it causes like physiological things to happen mm-hmm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that we don't, you know, um, the divorce is so common and we don't really take it as seriously as we should, you know, um, 
in our society and like the, the effects of it on children. And, uh, I remember my wife, um, before, when we first started dating, she asked me if my parents' divorce had, you know, any effect on me or anything like that. I'm like, what? No, <laughs> you know, I've got no trauma, no baggage. <laughs> That's what a joke now. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, I have no trauma. Um, and you know, my parents had a pretty amicable, amicable divorce. They've, they're friends and stuff. They can be in the same place. So I'm in a much better situation than a lot of people. But as I'm, you know, getting further into my marriage, I'm seeing some of those scars that are there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we have only, uh, about 10 minutes left. Um, you know, how should we be praying to, for St. Eugene's intercession, you know, for our families and, you know, the families we see in our communities and stuff like that. Can you, you know, uh, what else about him that, uh, should we know, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in terms of when, when he, when, when he banded with, banded with these five, uh, well, there was a group of five of them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that was very important for him was praying. They, 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 the, in it, for an entire calendar year, they would go out on mission and they, and then they would come back. They would go out on mission for about half of the year and then come back for the other half. Six, so six months they were together and praying. Families aren't praying mm-hmm. anymore. Families are in crisis. We, we know they're in crisis. They're, you know, uh, uh, to see a family with a mom and a dad and two kids, I mean, where are well, you going? Uh, you know, it's, you're rare. You're a rarity now. I think St. Eugene can reach out. Uh, if we reach out to, 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 to St. Eugene and, and look at the story of his life and see how, in, in, he, he was blessed with, uh, with a lot of earthly goods, but spiritually, he was lacking in many, many things. Um, uh, a society that, that, that rejected him, um, uh, parents who were having difficulties that led to their divorce. Um, and, uh, but, but he saw the importance of being in community and praying together. You know, if we reach out to him through prayer, you know, he can, I, I truly believe he can, he, he can help us in repairing some of the, the, the damage that has been caused to many of our families through divorce and through lack of a good father figure and a good mother figure too. Um, he longed for that. He founded a community um, to reach out to those who were lacking in that spiritual reality. Um, I think he has a lot to offer us if, if we, uh, and, and, and one of his best, I, one of his best influences is the, we need to get back to prayer. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he taught his oblates when he would send them out on uh, on a mission, the, he'd never see them again. You know, back in those days, you put them on a ship yeah. and they go to the United States, they go to India, they go to Canada. That was it. You know, he would say goodbye to them forever. But he asked all his oblates, always go before the Blessed Sacrament in oraison. Uh, Les oraisons was very, very important for the community. He asked everybody to do it at five o'clock, but, uh, and, and so that's what we do. We still do that. Uh, we band together and we pray. We sit before the blessed sacrament, um, for at least half an hour. And we feel that we're in community with, with the rest of our brothers. Um, I think prayer can restore the soul of, of, of many people who, who, uh, uh, who, who might feel lost. He's a wonderful example of that. 
um, and um, he he didn't allow the devastation of of the civil reality, you know, the of France, uh, what was going on in the, in the in the revolution. He didn't allow that, or the 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 devastation of his divorced parents to to stop him. Well, it sounds like in some ways he um, those tribulations and him seeking God through those tribulations led to you know his great zeal for the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, you know, he even went and asked the Pope directly to form the order. He did, yeah. He 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 said, "I have I have a group of you know." It it, it started growing. the 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 order started growing, and uh, he said, "We we need to get official approbation from the church." And so he went to the Pope and and asked him. Yeah, I even read that, um, you know, uh, because of his zeal, Eugene had been dubbed a second Paul. That some people called him a second Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really did do your homework. I did do a little wow, bit. I yeah. did. They did call him a second Paul because of the the, the missionaries that were sent all over. I mean, we're we're in sixty six countries yeah. now. How do we tap into that zeal for the faith? Um, I think it uh, if a, a true appreciation of what our faith uh, we have such a rich, beautiful faith that is one of love and open up the gospel. It's a gospel of love, um, uh, irrefutable gifts that God has given to us. That was in today's gospel, mm-hmm. re- our, our first reading from St. Paul. But, but the gospels are, are, are filled with love, forgiveness, just uh, an appreciation of that. It, it, the, um, the, the beautiful gifts that, that God has given to us through the revelation given to us through his son and, um, if we can just sit down and appreciate that, uh, I think it could be very, very helpful. And, and Eugene, Eugene, Saint Eugene said, "Just tell people how much Jesus loves them." That's, and he, and he tells us, you know, carry the cross with you wherever you go, wherever you go. And and we do that. We uh, at our perpetual oblation, when we become oblates forever, we get a big cross. Um, and and we we we're always reminded, you know, through the suffering, there is there is resurrection. Yeah. It just seems like the world is so rough. Um, families are so torn. You know, is there, is there a, uh, like a scripted prayer to St. Eugene that you know of that you could share with us or, or anything like that? You know, um, uh, the, his, his dying words, which we call it a prayer amongst us oblates, mm-hmm. uh, when he was about to go, you know, uh, he said, charity, charity, charity amongst yourselves. Um, and zeal for the salvation of souls. Um, so, so we, we kind of, that, that's kind of our little mantra, our little prayer. You know, we, we, we try to have charity and zeal for the salvation of souls wherever we go. Yeah, I saw another quote that was the glory of God, the good of the church, and the sanctification of souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, if we can, if we can have more charity with one another, maybe with members of our family, maybe with, um, you know, and have that zeal for the salvation of souls, the sanctification of souls, the ones that uh, we are entrusted with, mm-hmm. and the ones that we've chosen as our spouses, as our friends, you know, the ones that we have in our community, um, you know, we could, uh, 
Do great things like St. Eugene. He told us to leave nothing undared. Leave nothing undared. Yeah. I'm, it's kind of hard at my age, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try. Leave nothing undared. Leave nothing undared. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's, um, yeah, for some reason when you were saying Mass this evening, I was really struck by um, when, we, when we said the Lord's Prayer, we dare to say. And for some reason, you know, that really stuck out in my mind this evening. Um, uh, because it is kind of a, you know, it was, it's kind of an outrageous thing to say. <laughs> it would have been outrageous to like the Jews at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, if we, we can only dare to accept God's love and hear his call, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are almost out of time. Father Art, can you end, give us a blessing to send us out? Sure, sure. Yeah. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and leave nothing undared. Leave nothing undared. Thank you so much for listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio and Red Sea Roundup. If you are listen, watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you are listening on the radio, check out our content online. Go to our subscription, our email list at Red Sea radio.org slash subscribe we've got a lot of great things going on that we want to share with you and remember when considering the things of heaven and earth always round up